T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. The book is Bleeding Green, A History of the Hartford Whalers. The author is Christopher Price, born in Connecticut, now works at the Boston Globe. For Is it bostonglobe.com? Bostonglobe.com, yes, sir. The book is, first of all, it looks great. Doesn't it? It does. It look, I mean, the logo, what is it about the Whalers logo that still, I have a, I bought, remember that, Matt? I bought that, that Whalers sweatshirt, hoodie sweatshirt jersey, and I get more compliments on that than I get on anything I own. You know what's amazing? I, I live right outside of Boston, and you would think that there would be that still that natural animosity between Bruins fans and Whalers fans, right. but I will wear my Ron Francis jersey or my Whalers hoodie or my Whalers cap, and I will get nothing but smiles and appreciative points or whatever. They'll start singing brass bananas at me. That is one of the reasons why it still resonates. This this franchise still resonates with people. It's the logo. It's the song. You know, in, in addition to the on ice stuff, but there's that feeling of nostalgia that people still have when it comes to the Whalers, and it starts with a logo. So why did you? I, I almost feel like it's like if they build it, if you build it, they will come type thing. Like, did you did you have to write? It felt like you had to write this book. Yeah, yeah, I did. This is this I I've, this is the sixth book that I've done, and I've had a more probably the personal level of connection that I have with this is deeper than anything I've ever done before. I, my first book, I wrote a book about the history of baseball in Cape Cod. And as a guy who spent a lot of time in Cape Cod in the summer watching baseball, that was great. That was a lot of fun to do. But this, you feel you feel called to this. And you as a, I'm sure you, Brian, as a media member, there, there are stories that you've covered over the course of your career where you feel a connection to, you, you know, a, something that really kind of hits home with you. And it took me about a half a second after my wife suggested the book idea. I was like, well, yeah, that's way too easy. Of course. Let's do it. Yeah, let's go, you know, jump on board. Let's do it. You know, I actually do have a very, believe it or not, a strong connection to the Whalers because when my dad and my uncle gave up their season tickets to the Bruins, my dad would take me once a year because the only way to get go, go see the Bruins and get a ticket easy was to come to Hartford. <laughs> and he just had the biggest thrill that you could sleep in the hotel and walk without going outside mm-hmm. and go to an NHL hockey game. Mm-hmm. So I just I have those memories as a child. But why why write this? Where's the need? Like what 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 is in here? Cuz it's not going to solve the wound if people are still stung by it. And you know, I have a bunch of questions. you're going to be with us in, in for the next 40, you know, 40 half an hour, 45 minutes. I, I want to get into some of the nuts and bolts, but what you know, where where's the desire in this book? Like what why is this book wanted? Well, it's a nostalgia kick for 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 you know for me first and foremost that I grew up as a Whalers fan I've written books and so it's like yeah this just makes a lot of sense if someone wants to publish it that's great you know we'll kind of go along for the ride but it, it, 
it mattered to people. This team mattered to people. And this is before, look, before UConn basketball became the all-consuming monolith that it is now. You go back to the 70s, Connecticut did not have big-time professional sports, really. And when the Whalers came to town, this was it. This was the NHL. This was big-time. You know, this was... This, this this meant something to people, and I, I explain in the, the the forward that you know growing up here, it was you either had to choose Boston or New York. It was the Red Sox or the Yankees. It was the Bruins or the Celtics. Right, and you nailed the geography of it. Yeah, too. And, and it's literally you know I grew up in Farmington and Suffield a little bit later on, and it was like okay, look, you know there were kids on one side of the street who rooted for the Rangers, and there were kids on the other side of the street who rooted for the Bruins, and that was just what it was. This was the first team that we had that was our own. And I think that's important for people to remember that Connecticut really didn't have they they kind of had a sporting identity. They were things you know the Celtics would come down every you know sure. but but there was no real sporting identity for the state. And the Whalers provided that for people. And I think that needs to I think people need to remember that. I want I want to get into some of the nuts and bolts of the people you talk to. The book is bleeding green. His name is Christopher Price, the author. But I, I do want to get this question in quickly before we have to take another break. Is if that's all true, then and I have my own opinion. Why didn't it work? There were a handful of reasons. They they picked, first of all, they picked the worst possible time to be mediocre because that coincided with the ascent of UConn basketball. And, you know, if you're an advertiser who's pouring tens of thousands of dollars mm. into, you know, like, okay, I want to be I want to be associated with a winner. I want to be associated with, the, you know, the number one athletic brand of the state. They're going to turn from a hockey team that was, you know, middle of the road at best to a basketball team that was clearly on the rise. So and UConn so, success hurt yeah, the Whalers. Yeah, UConn success hurt the Whalers. And that's no fault of UConn. I'm just saying that, you know, trying to give it some context in the 1990s, that that was one of the reasons. So you could go down a whole long, you know, really a what long What about Carmanos? Carmanos is part of it. I think Bettman's part of it. I think the NHL's desire to expand to warm weather markets figured into it as well. And they mm-hmm. looked at a vulnerable franchise at the time in Hartford and said, okay, we can move this team to a quote-unquote warm-weather city to grow the game. Mm. And so, you know, again, it's a long laundry list of things as to why it didn't work. But I think the energy that was poured into those great Whalers teams of the late 80s and early 1990s has simply been redirected into the state toward basketball. Mm. And I think that's part of it too. And you lost Calhoun. And I know Hurley's a good coach, but I don't know if you'll ever get that magic back. Mm-hmm. And what happens when Gino goes, yeah. where will we be? Uh, Chris Price joining us here on Brian and Company. The book is Bleeding Green. You can get it. just came out this week on Amazon, and it is a beautiful. There's something about the blue and the green that just it pops. And the, the book, you should be, first of all, congratulations. Thank you. And then we'll talk more about the process. We're back here at 823 with Christopher Price, who just put out a new book called Bleeding Green. It's a history of the Hartford Whalers. And you can get it on Amazon. And and again, like as someone who has wanted to write forever, I mean, just writing a book is an achievement. Yeah. And you've done it six times. <laughs> now, do you get somebody to agree to the concept? And like when you did your first book, mm-hmm. did did you get somebody to say yes before you wrote it, or did you write it and then shop it? I started writing it, but I had no idea what I was doing. I I, I was lucky enough to take it to a publisher on Cape Cod, Parnassus Imprints, and the guy was basically like, "Look, we're gonna." walk you through this process to kind of educate you. You got lucky. I I got incredibly lucky. And then for my second book, The Blueprint, I was able to connect with representation. And so, and that was a wider scale project. And as, as I've kind of gone along, the projects have gotten bigger and bigger. And so for anyone who is interested in writing a book or writing books really as a career, you're really well served by getting an agent, a yeah. literary agent, you know, someone you could trust, someone who speaks the language, someone who could take a book proposal into a publisher and say, okay, look, here's 
the project. Here's what we're thinking of doing. Here are the books that he's written in the past. So you could do it by yourself, but it's really hard. And if you get an agent, it's really, really super helpful. It's it's interesting. And when it comes to this, where you were sort of you had finished a project and your wife, you guys were just spitballing ideas. Yeah, yeah. we were literally sitting in our living room, and and I just finished a book. Um, I just I think I think I just agreed to do a book drive for five which was about the 2016 Patriots and we were just which would have had a short shelf life it's yes it's exactly <laughs> yeah um, but that was good because I turned that around really super quick and that kind of got out there and kind of you know we hit on it and it was good timing a lot of this is really good timing right um, but yeah we were just spitballing about book ideas and she's like well you know why don't you write a book about the Whalers you know you, you love you know you love the team clearly you love you know you have a history there and you know, it's kind of right up your alley and it literally took me about two seconds to say yeah this is perfect. Let's get started. And so, now there have been books on yeah. the whalers, correct? And what's yeah. different about this one? Is it the first comprehensive sort of historical view? Like, how does this differentiate? Well, this is for this is not only wide scale. This is the longest book I've ever done. It's over three hundred pages. Um, I like to think that I bring a fan's passion and perspective to this, whereas some of the other projects might not necessarily do the same. Again, because I grew up here. I deliver the Hartford Current. I, you know, listen to Chuck Keaton every single night. Mm. I, you know, my what my my family drove me into the mall, and you know, we bought chili at Wendy's and got ten dollar tickets. You know, I Wendy's Chili's thing. was underrated. By oh, way, way underrated. Yeah, totally. Are you kidding me? And then if it's it's like if they scored five goals, you got you know you got free chili. And then remember the 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 great game against the Oilers. I think it was in 19, 1984, where they scored eleven goals and people were chanting double chili because they thought okay you know you took ten goals and one five goals one chili ten goals you know two. Um, but I did all that. I was part of all that. That you know I lived. Yeah, that. There's no fake in it. It was yeah, real. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know I I got a you know I I would get the jerseys for for Christmas and my birthday and it go to you know save up my money and go to the whaler so I did all of that I lived the experience of being a young Hartford Whalers fan and so I believe that that level of passion is is in this book we're talking with Christopher Price author of the new book Bleeding Green a history of the Hartford Whalers I you don't want to give away too much in the book although there's quite a bit in it can you give one or two things that you can think of that you didn't know before you marched down the, the road of this endeavor. I think the thing that really stood out for me the most and the thing that surprised me the most is that the people in Connecticut were more Whalers fans than hockey fans. And that's not a character flaw or anything, but the level of connection in the community between the players and the team and the the fans was extraordinary, and so you got to root for them as individuals. Hmm. And I, maybe that's just a part of you know sports in the 70s and 80s and being able to They have, were more accessible. Yeah, and, and yeah. more accessible. Howard Baldwin, the former owner, has a great line about this, and I think you know, it, it really rings true on a lot of levels. The Whalers were the Green Bay Packers of hockey. It was a small market community. The community was behind them 100%, 24-7. And so you could see Dave Tippett. At, you know, the, at the, the stop and shop. Yeah, yeah, the stop and shop. And it wasn't weird. It wasn't completely out of the ordinary. And so getting back to my original point is the people were invested in the players. You know, you, you, you always talk about, you know, rooting for the laundry, rooting for the jersey. And, and look, I'm not naive enough to think that that didn't happen. But at the same time, you were more invested in those individuals than you were in the team. And I think when the team left, we've seen other minor league teams come in here and not have the same level of success when it comes to attendance. And, you know, Connecticut hockey, UConn hockey is is having 
great numbers in Quinnipiac and Yale. And hockey is alive and well in the state of Connecticut. But there was something about this particular hockey team that really struck a nerve with people. And I think it was on an individual level. And that that's really the thing that surprised me the most. You rooted more for hmm. the player than you necessarily rooted for the sport. You know, we made the comparison earlier this morning before you came in with Green Bay mm-hmm. and Green Bay. But, you know, even when Green Bay was 8-8, eight and eight, they still filled the stadium and they didn't do that here. So in some ways you get you you, you get what you deserve. On the flip side, it would have been really nice if they could have survived mm-hmm. that stretch because I think now everyone recognizes what a privilege it is to have a professional yeah. f- franchise. Yeah. And it's... And Hartford is, you know, I love Hartford, and it's 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 a hard sell. It is for a comeback city, and 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 I support it, and I think Luke Brown is doing a nice job, but I I, I want to know who to blame, you know. And so, like for me, you know, you, there was a really interesting point. And we got to take a quick break here, but you, the point you made about Bettman just wanting he didn't want it here, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. and I feel like. Carmanos might have moved it, even if they had a brand new building. Like I blame the building the most. Yeah. Because even if they had a brand new building, and then if he left, you could he could be the most hated man forever mm-hmm. because you called his bluff or what have you. Like, do you think that? I mean, Roland worked hard. I mean, I, do you think they did enough to try to keep them? That's a great question. Um, first of all, I want to go back to one, and I know we're up against a break, but the idea okay. of the, we can the, blow the, off the <laughs> sorry, the, Morgan, the, the, the attendance thing. And there's a great line in there from Dom Amore, who covers the you sure. know, who works for the current, who's fantastic, who said, "Look, they didn't imprint on a lot of people relative to other towns and other teams, but the people they had a hold of, they really had a hold of. It was the same." 12,000 people in the building every single I know, night. but it wasn't 17. You know, but in, and it wasn't 17, and I know. And that's maybe where they kind of kept hitting their head on the ceiling. I, I don't know if they did enough. Look, and, and you know, we can get to get into this down the road, too, the idea of bringing, the, bringing them back. Oh. I don't know if that is ever going to happen with the current geographical setup. They need a new building, you know. And I, 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 part of me tends to agree with you in that, the building is the main culprit here, but there were an awful lot of other villains sure. as part of this. Yeah, program. and we, we've talked to the CRDA about what they're currently trying to do there. So uh, we'll put a pin in that. We'll we'll get an update on your news. Uh, the book is Bleeding Green, A History of the Hartford Whalers. Christopher Price joining us live in studio. Uh, he works for the Boston Globe, uh, born and raised here in Connecticut, went to high school here in Connecticut as well. And the book is, it, first of all, I just think it's a beautiful book. And it is holiday season. Uh, the the two things I want to touch on here, the one is the, the the sort of fun over a beer at the fire pit conversation is, could we ever get it back? And I'll sort of reserve my my sports hot take for for yours, and then we can talk about it. Is it is it even remotely possible to ever have an NHL team in Hartford? You never say never. I, I talked to the people in Seattle who lost the Supersonics who said in the, the the main theme that they always gave me was never stop fighting, never stop believing, always keep pushing, always keep asking questions, always keep hoping, because you never know when there is going to be that billionaire hedge fund manager mm-hmm. right around the corner who grew up like us as a Whalers fan who says, damn it, let's bring him back. Let's try and do it. Let's, I'm going to push all my money to the middle of the table and do it. So you never stop hoping. Um, so Ray Dalio, if you're listening. There you go. Whoever wins the Powerball. <laughs> You know, it's not even enough. Yeah, it's I, I just, mean the yeah. truth. You, you talk about like a, a billionaire hedge funder. I was thinking about this when I, I I left the room for a minute. It's not like you need Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos, mm-hmm. but you need somebody close. It's not the billionaire 
hedge fund. You need the multi-billionaire. Yeah, Somebody says, yeah. you know what? I'm going to make sure we build a brand new arena mm-hmm. and I'm going to buy a team. Like that's To me, that's the only way it could happen. And I, honestly, if, if someone did do that, it would. I do believe even though it's an NHL team, it's not NBA or NFL, I, I think it would transform Hartford like in a, in the snap of a finger. Well, the other option is in you don't necessarily need the Hartford Whalers to play in Hartford. The San Francisco 49ers play 60 miles outside of town. So the theory is that you could partner with one of the casinos. You could partner with Mohegan Sun. You could partner with Foxwoods, huh. build a 20,000-seat arena, and say, all right, Coyotes, you're playing in a rinky-dink, you know, college arena. Come to Hartford. We'll rename them the Whalers, and then you know you go from there. There's a lot of hoops you have to. But that wouldn't help Hartford. Exactly, that wouldn't necessarily help Hartford. You could bring the team back. You might not necessarily have them end up in Hartford, but they could be in Connecticut. You could still call them the Hartford Whalers, and you go from there. But again, there's a lot that has to happen. So it's like Dumb and Dumber, like one in a million. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're saying I have a chance. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Because you never, like I said, you never know. I mean, it's a long shot, admittedly, at this point. But it could theoretically happen. He's Christopher Price. The book is Bleeding Green. This is Brian and Company. The last thing I wanted to ask you was, I know these kind of stories. Some people are just sick of it. The, the, the people who are involved in it and don't want to talk. You know what I mean? There's a balance between the people who want to revisit it and want to talk about it. Just t- give me a highlight of a conversation you had with somebody who was deeply involved in the whalers that just you've just got a lot out of if 10 year old me could have a conversation with 53 year old me and you know, we could we could talk back and forth and i could you know i would tell 10 year old me that ron francis or you know 12 whatever would that ron francis was going to call me and say hey chris it's ron francis here i would have lost my mind you know yeah. the, the the chance to talk to these guys the chance to talk to kevin Deneen and jordy douglas and mark howe was off the charts for me. The chance to be able to, you know, now I can call up Chuck Caton and say, hey, let's talk about, you know, the 1985, you know, all that stuff was just still, still this day blows me away that I could talk to these guys. But there were a handful of guys who were really, really vital in this process, yeah. former players, guys who worked for the team, people who worked for the team, who were able to kind of open doors for me. A blessing from Chuck Caton in this community is kind of like a blessing from the Pope. And huh. so if Chuck Caton kind of clears the way for you to talk to someone... That made it easier to get out Exactly, people. yeah. And, and that really was was the thing that led to my conversation with Ron Francis. Um, Jordy Douglas was fantastic. Absolutely awesome. Okay, Caton's quickly, can story. I go back to Ron Francis? Like, yeah. He had such success, Stanley Cup-wise, mm-hmm. outside of Hartford. Mm-hmm. Does he actually have affinity for his time here? He does. He does. He absolutely loves it. I mean, he talked about in the book. He talks about growing up in Hartford. You huh. know, I mean, this was where he became. You know, this is where he you know, met his wife and started a family. And, and he still has a very. He still has a very high level of affection for this community. Uh, congratulations on the book. Uh, Christopher Price is the author. Bleeding Green: A History of the Hartford Whalers. I hope. Uh, I hope it sells out and goes paperback for you. It's been a joy to have you in today. Thanks thanks for taking the time. My pleasure, man. Thanks. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t oh, 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 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.